<laughs> hey, Brett Star. How you doing? Doing good. How doing? about you? I'm doing great. Yeah, I, yeah you, I saw what you did. Yeah, I, I heard punch. what you did. I pulled the punch. Hmm? I, I, I'm trying to do the unexpected thing. Did it work? I was, I was completely gobsmacked by that, so thank you. Well, it's good to see your beautiful face. Thank you. It's good to be seen. It's good to see you and the lava lamp and the little, is that a bonsai tree there? That is. And I've got an interesting story about the bonsai tree. First of all, I well, moved, then I, moved the lava I didn't lamp. even mean to tee you up like that, but there you go. <laughs> I moved the lava lamp the way you told me. Does it look better now? Or I need to yeah, it. I like that a lot. It's symmetry. Thanks, man. And do you know how you water, how I water that bonsai? You don't? No, I put five ice cubes on it every Monday. Really? Yeah, that was written into the instructions. It was like put five. Do you also do you provide the scotch with it as well? <laughs> you know me so well. But all right. Well, let's get straight to it. Canvas. What a rose! Which canvas are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. Does a rose by any other name smell as sweet? I don't think it does. Actually. I don't think nope. it does. I think if a nope. rose were called like a death orchid, for instance, I don't think that it would. I, I think the scent of a rose would create a deep sense of alarm and you would run screaming from it. So I don't think that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. But uh, Canvas, uh, the diversity recruiting platform, is in a lot mm -hmm. of trouble. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's talk a little bit about why they're in trouble and whether they should be or not. And yeah. some of the things that are not really being talked about uh, at all uh, around this canvas dispute, like who is the agency? <laughs> well, it might not have been an agency. You know, a lot of a lot of renames, rebrands happen internally. Yeah. You know, because I think that there's um, a lot of people think, how hard can it be to come up with a name? <laughs> Boom! There's a name. Sunny. <laughs> well. Okay, so let's let's tell the whole story. Let's lay this out. So there's this uh, diversity recruiting platform called Canvas. And it used to be called Jumpstart. Jumpstart. You stole my pun. I was going to say, let's jumpstart this conversation. So they started as Jumpstart. How long were they Jumpstart? Uh, they were founded in 2017. And in July of 2021, they rebranded uh, themselves to Canvas Tech and leased the least. I'm sure they bought the canvas.com. No, they domain. leased it. They leased it. Okay. Yeah, so this is one of those things that people aren't, I don't think people fully understand what's going on, like in several of the interesting dimensions of this, but there's someone who owns this th domain. They mm -hmm. own it. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, you remember when, uh, I don't know if you remember the story, but um, when uh, Ultimate Software, uh, we tried to convince them forever to buy Ultimate.com, and it was owned mm -hmm. by, like, some person in Florida or something, just some dude. <laughs> yeah. It was also, like, Jazz HR, and we tried to get them to buy Jazz.com, and Jazz.com is owned by some dude. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not like a domain, you know, like, yeah. uh, aggregate or anything. It's just some person in, in, you know, like, Queens or something that owns uh, Jazz.com. And, uh, you know, you talk to them and, you know, have conversations and they're like, uh, yeah, I'd sell it for, you know, like two or three million dollars. And they're like, OK, see you later. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the person who owns Canvas.com actually approached Instructure. And who is Instructure? Instructure is a learning management um, system that is owned by now by Toma Bravo Private Equity. Yeah. So if you uh, went to, uh, you know 
college in the last like 10 years, you probably used either Blackboard or Canvas. Right. Uh, my kids actually use Canvas in their school. I mean, my daughter's 10 and she's using Canvas in her school right now. And so Canvas is probably one of the most broadly used, you yeah. know, like uh, what we used to call distance learning or, you know, remote learning, uh, you know, kind of technologies. It, it, and that's one brand under uh, in structure. And structure has been around for a long right. time. They're in Salt Lake City, right? Yep. We've been in their offices probably seven times over the last 15 years. Yep. Great company, great organization, uh, really strong uh, presence in the market. But the person who owned Canvas approached Instructure on at least two different occasions. And on uh, both occasions, uh, Instructure did not deem uh, that owning the Canvas.com URL was important enough to shell out cash. Right. And so I think what happened is when um, a Jumpstart rebranded as Canvas Tech, I don't think that they could pay the. <laughs> I, don't think that I they got could. it. Yeah, and so they leased it. They leased it from the guy, and so uh, probably you know it's like a two-year term or three-year term, and then you know they come back and decide whether they want to lease it again or not. Sounds kind of fishy to me. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, you know, maybe you know, maybe we're going to get in trouble with this Canvas thing, so let's not commit to buying the URL. <laughs> yeah, let's lease it. But anyway, so uh, they rebrand to uh, Canvas Tech. They lease the canvas.com URL and instructor immediately sues them, immediately. And uh, what I really thought was interesting, um, you know, I read a little bit about the, you know, like the judge's comments and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, he used a very uh, uh, interesting phrase, which was the balance of hardships. So when evaluating, uh, you know, basically like, <clears throat> if I rule against one party or the other, whose hardships are going to be the most significant? And the judge's uh, point was that the balance of hardships, uh, you know, falls much more in instructors direction because they've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars establishing their brand uh, over time. Mm -hmm. And not only that in structure products, not canvas products, but in structure products specifically have introduced some job board like capabilities over time. Right. And so their case was that, you know, basically this other Canvas tech, formerly Jumpstart, was drafting behind all the goodwill that they've created in the market, and it would create confusion in the marketplace. And the judge says, yeah, I agree with you. The balance of hardships is definitely more significant, um, you know, in leaning in the direction of in structure. So uh, y'all rebrand. Now, the person who, you know, kind of broke the story in the article that you sent around makes a case that, well, the, you know, it's underestimating the balance of hardships around search engine optimization and <laughs> pretty thin, right. case, you know, pretty yeah. thin case compared to like how much money and structure has spent uh, building up that brand. But there's so much interesting stuff uh, to talk about here. So first of all, just, you know, right off the bat, do you think that canvas the diversity recruiting job board should be precluded from using the canvas name and URL? Yes, yeah, me too. I do. Me too. I I think that you know what it comes. You know when we're working on, you know, a naming project, it's really hard to come up with a name that that somebody or usually several somebodies have not tried to use before. It might be a sunsetted brand. It might be a product within a, a brand. There's always, you know, if you're going with a common name, not a synthetic name, but a common name like a, a canvas or you know what have you. 
there's probably going to be a company somewhere sometime that was named that. And when you go through the trademark databases, like we do when we are in the process of renaming a the company. A simple thing. A simple thing. It literally takes us five minutes to figure out, you know, is it, okay, is there a conflict that is probably going to get you in trouble? Yeah. Uh, or is it something that you would want your lawyers to review? Yeah. But see, this one doesn't even... If, if we were working on this naming project, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. If they had come to us and says, hey, we're going to rename the company Canvas, I would have been like, nope. no, you're not. <laughs> and here's why. You're going to get your ass sued. Yeah. And um, I think that, um, to me, if they were working with an agency, that agency had the the responsibility to kind of do that drill down there's you know agencies aren't lawyers so there is a uh, a limit to what they can accomplish but they never should have renamed this company canvas well, there's ever a, there's a clause in our agreement so you know i think i feel like i should pause here and uh let people know they might be surprised to know that we actually do this sort of thing for a living <laughs> a lot and have done it for a long time well i was just uh, you know just off the top of my head i was thinking about it it's like yeah we uh you know renamed Virgin Health Miles to Virgin Pulse. And I was just kind of thinking about, like, you know, the well-being space. We renamed Elite Wellness to Vivere. And then I have a great story about that one, too. Yeah, that's a good one. That was a <laughs> long time. That was in 2008. Yeah, that, that was. was. In 2008. And I think uh, Joe Galvan actually created the uh, logo for them, didn't he? Yeah. The original logo. Yeah. Um, and Mitch and uh, Joe working together, I think, uh, did that logo yeah. a long time ago. And uh, then they were acquired by Virgin Pulse. Um, right. And uh, we also renamed a little company called I Love Rewards to Achievers. Mm-hmm. Um, and working directly with Razor Suleiman uh, mm-hmm. during that period. So, and that's, you know, three that I could think. We also uh, uh, helped with, um, at least, <laughs> with the renaming of the entire Willis Towers Watson software product portfolio. Yeah. And that's, you know, four examples out of probably a hundred, of, yeah. you know, like major, you know, kind of uh, naming, rebrand, you know, kind of situations that we've done. Yeah. and But I think what's also uh, kind of worth bringing up is we've been a part of, of renamings and rebrands that never happened oh, yeah. where, you know, yeah. like, so let's use some total, for example, when oh, yeah. after they were acquired by Vista, mm-hmm. they brought us in to uh, do a quick turn rebrand and one of the things we recommended was change the name and they were all about it until their lawyers took a look at everything and they're like oh if we have to go through all of the the requirements to you know change all of our contracts mm-hmm. change all of our our you know licensing and all of our agreements across global jurisdictions yeah. It's going to be untold millions of dollars. So, yeah, we get it, but we're not going to do it, yeah. which totally made sense. And that's yeah. those. it's those type of things that I think are often overlooked by, hey, let's just rename the company. If yeah. you're an established company, an established brand, there are a lot of knock-on effects from changing your name that won't necessarily um, rise to your um, level of attention immediately, but are, are crucial to bear in mind no just like in the old days when people used to walk down the hall to talk to their colleagues walk down the hall and talk to product development and find out how much work it's going to be 
yeah. to, you know, change the brand, you know, across the product and, you know, all that stuff. But I bring all that up because, you know, I want to establish that we have credibility on this topic. Yeah. And even we have a clause in our agreement. I think it's still there, but we have a clause that basically says we're not lawyers, mm-hmm. hire lawyers. But, you know, I've also uh, said probably about a million times, it's the first thing that I usually say to people uh, to demonstrate how interesting I am and why they should love me, is that uh, I also am a, pri- a licensed private investigator. And, uh, you know, I equate the checking the trademark database um, to, uh, you know, running a background check. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between a background check and a background investigation, right? Right. Like r- looking at the test database, you know, in 15 mm-hmm. minutes is going to give you some leads. Right. Uh, but it is an exhaustive uh, listing of everybody who has, you know, if you know how to, uh, you know, run searches in that, you know, 1980s, you know, mainframe system. Yeah. Um, you know, it is an exhaustive list of, of multiple combinations and uses of images and words that form trademarks um, and are, you know, officially filed. And they'll tell you the ones that are dead, the ones that are still mm-hmm. alive, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But then you have to go even further. And sometimes, you know, you do have to make a judgment call about whether, you know, picking a name that someone else already has is going to create confusion in the marketplace, right? And so, you know, we've uh, done names where, you know, some other company already had the name. Um, We ran into uh, one of of these situations uh, just at the end of last year where we recommended a name. And uh, it turned out that a video game company also had that name. We were aware of it. We brought it up, you know, right, you know, from the start. But we said this is not going to – Totally different buyer, not significant, not likely to cause confusion in the marketplace, mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. We're not lawyers. Right. <laughs> you know, have your lawyers look at. And so, you know, uh, number one, always, always, always have a trademark attorney involved yep. um, when you're contemplating even what you might consider a tier two or tier three, uh, you know, like uh, product brand uh, change or service mark or, you know, something like that. Always yep. have a trademark attorney uh, or team involved. And so going back to this, uh, you know, naming, naming, naming situation, um, you know, there are uh, multiple uh, points of failure here when <laughs> something gets yes. to this stage, right? And so, you know, another thing that, <clears throat> you know, all those names that I mentioned have in common, and, and it's really kind of like a, um, I'm trying to find out why Jumpstart even bothered. Why did they bother? I mean, so l- let me let me present a case to you, and then you you tear it apart. There's six kinds of names, right? In our model, there's six kinds of names. Mm. There's three on the concrete side, and there's three on the abstract side. Uh, on the concrete side, you have descriptive names like um, uh, RecruitSoft, you know, which was what Taleo was before they became right. Taleo. It describes what the product does, RecruitSoft. And there's like alphanumeric names uh, like IHOP. You know, where, you know, typically it's because, well, you know, International House of Pancakes wanted to sell lunch. <laughs> you know, so yeah. they wanted to keep the brand equity associated with something that people were already using to refer to them. But they wanted to eliminate the, you know, primary pancake, you know, kind of brand connotation, right? And uh, then there's like heritage names like uh, Willis Towers Watson. You know, it's like uh, the names of a bunch of people or places or whatever. And it's meant to like create a sense of trust or legacy or whatever. And then over on the um, abstract side, you have metaphoric names, which are, you know, the name is meant to be a metaphor for the experience that you have. Uh, We don't call it, uh, you know, internet browser. You know, it's called like Safari or, 
you know, Firefox or, you know, whatever. And uh, then you've got like evocative names, which are meant to kind of stand out and be really different than other names in the field. Apple's probably the most famous uh, evocative name of all times. Uh, of all time, when they uh, came out, you know, people were called like IBM and, you know, stuff like that. And they were like Apple, you know, very evocative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to this day, anything that comes out from Apple, you expect it to be completely different, despite the fact that their operating system and <laughs> pretty much everything about them, except for a few key uh, differences, are very similar to PCs. Uh, and then you have just like uh, what we call synthetic names which are just made up because we ran out of Greek gods. We ran out of, you know, we ran out of all the stuff that we could use for names and not to make a metaverse point, but you know, when people make fun of buying real estate in the metaverse, this is the problem that uh, it gets created because the real estate, uh, the digital real estate in web 2.0 is going away. So you can't just come up with a name and then go out and get the URL uh, because everything's taken. And so you have to end up with these like crazy wonky names. So, most of the renames, I bet 90% of the renames that we've done have been moving from a descriptive name convention to an abstract name convention, whether it be evocative or metaphoric or synthetic. And it's so that they can escape the, imp, the, the expectation created by the descriptor. So what was wrong with Jumpstart? Right. No, I don't asking, know. Like, what was wrong I with don't it? know. There's, there's, in, in my mind, nothing. Um, you know, was there, was there a compelling reason other than, Hey, we want to rebrand the company. I don't see anything limiting about that name. And, you know, one of the things when we get into naming conversations as a part of a branding exercise, the cynical view of an agency is they always want to re rename the company because it's lots of work that they, they'll make a lot of money from it. I spend most of my time trying to figure out how we don't rename the company. And it's just yeah. like if 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 that if a name is serviceable, because we've had companies come to us and say, "Hey, we want to rename the company." I'll I'll look at them and say, "There's nothing wrong with this name. You're going to be unlocking a Pandora's box of problems and expense. Don't do it. Yeah. If you want to just freshen up your brand, there's a lot of stuff you can do visually and with messaging and positioning to do that. But the you know if the name is serviceable, you know f- don't change it. Yeah, I mean, and that name's be- serviceable. There's got to be a really good reason. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe there's something we don't know here. Maybe someone out there from Canvas will see this and, you know, in the comments, you know, uh, say what the compelling reason was. Maybe they right. had a legal issue around Jumpstart. Who knows? Yeah, they might have. But I don't see anything, you know, like on the face of it that is a compelling reason to rebrand. Uh, and I think Jumpstart's actually a really good name, you know. But it's pro- I bet, you know, I wonder what the URL was. Maybe the URL didn't line up with the name or something like that, which, again, is not a compelling reason. To right. rebrand unless you've got a pure SEO driven inbound marketing model, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And even then, you know, I would question it. But, you know, just doing a quick workup on them, uh, back of the napkin stuff, you know, it says on LinkedIn that they have 109 employees. Uh, so say that's about, you know, we'll take about 80% of that because that's not uh, typically accurate. And then do a quick productivity. I mean, this is about a $15 million company. Um, so it's not, you know, like huge, it's not tiny. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a sig- significant ongoing concern. Um, and, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm just starting with like, what was the strategy behind all of it? Why did they, you know, do it? Cause usually if you're moving names, it's, you're moving from one convention to another, yeah. uh, or there's, you know, some uh, issues. So I just, you know, can't understand why? I mean, they've grown 49%. They've grown their headcount 49% in the last year. They've grown it 106% in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. 
I mean, there is nothing limiting about the name. It, it doesn't put them in a box from a descriptive perspective. It doesn't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if there could very well be a reason that, that is not apparent that was a burning building that was forcing them to change the name, or it could have just been, Hey, we want to change the name because we want to change the name. They might've run into two guys in a bong agency in San Francisco who said, Hey dude, you need to change the name. Uh, and we'll, we'll get you a new name and a new logo for the low, low price of $400,000. Yeah. When you are a hundred person company, it's not good enough to just say, because I want to, you know, I mean, there's a lot at risk there in rebranding and inevitably after a rebrand, there is a decline in brand recognition, Mm -hmm. uh, as you try to rebuild, uh, you know, the association uh, with that brand. But here's the big picture for me. You don't create brands. Right. Uh, I mean, you don't like just change your name and that changes your brand. A brand is created when people affix experiences to a name uh, and the, the name comes to mean something over time. And so even if they felt like this compelling vision, you know, it's like uh, you know, they, they just have this big vision and canvas was part of it somehow. And they just felt like they wanted a name that was more communicative of like what they felt in their hearts to be true about what they were trying to do. Not good enough. Not, it's just not good enough to, you know, kind of go out and pursue something like this. Um, so anyway, they did it. So, okay, let's get over it. They, they did it. Um, and then what (laughs) first point of failure, no compelling reason to rebrand first point of failure. Right. What's the, in your opinion, what, what happens next in this story? Well, uh, the second point of failure was uh, they changed their name to um, a not just a brand within kind of the work tech universe, but a large brand that is owned by a giant private equity company. And um, I mean, this is this is a not a brand that is sort of like peripheral. It's just like. Back to your point. It is like the leading LMS in the um, uh, higher ed universe uh, in North America. So this is not a small brand. And especially when you consider how there is, you know, especially in higher ed, there's beginning to be a blend of kind of this learning and higher ed component, ed tech component with recruiting because basically when parents are sending their kid to college, they're paying $200,000 a year. At the end of the day, they want their kid to get a job. Mm-hmm. They don't want him to be working at as a barista down at Starbucks trying to figure shit out yeah. or, or working on his novel. Nothing wrong with that, but parents definitely. Nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> the world needs bad novels, yeah. um, and, and we also need lattes. So mm-hmm. there's that. But, uh, you know, they, they either didn't find it because they, they didn't do the due diligence oh, yeah. or they looked at it and they just said they didn't care. Okay. Well, both of those. Okay. Not finding it. I mean, huge point of failure. I can't help but believe that they knew it, uh, but convinced themselves that, hey, those guys do learning and we're in diversity recruiting. Right. And so no one in the right mind is going to get confused. But see, here's the here's the other interesting point is back to the, hey, we're agencies. We're not lawyers. Any time we have had sort of a judgment call where, you know, we come up with a confusing similarity and we look at it and we're like, you know what? You're probably okay, but run it by your lawyer. Any time we've done that, 
their counsel will always come back and say, no, nope, we're not going to do it. Yeah. It's too close. Basically, lawyers are risk averse and they don't yeah. want to take the chance. Yeah. If they had put this in front of a, a copyright attorney, mm -hmm. I guarantee you there's no way this would have gone through. Oh, no way at all. No way at all. I mean, this is way too close. I mean, I mean, you have to like, it's in work tech. I mean, yeah. e even if it weren't in work tech, but it was a technology solution that utilized some sort of similar, you know, kind of art or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, meaning, you know, the way stuff gets done by the solution, it still wouldn't have been passed because uh, the, the patent office doesn't care about work tech as a subcategory of technology. So, I mean, right. it's <laughs> the fact right. that it was also in work tech and there was a confusing overlap between services provided by, uh, you know, both companies is just like slam dunk, you know. Yeah. So in both cases, either they didn't find it or they knew about it but thought they were going to squeak by. Both points of failure. I mean, just yeah. doesn't make sense. And I, I just can't believe that a hundred person company uh, doesn't have an agency in this scenario. I know that. Not, like, not in San Francisco. No, no. Not I, in San Francisco. Yeah. But I'm also having a hard time. I mean, like, when they announced the rebrand, it was part of a, you know, $20 million, I think, Series B. And Sequoia is one of their backers. I cannot believe that, <laughs> you know, they have one or two or three Sequoia, you know, dudes on their board. And that and they were like, hey, we're going to rebrand the company. And that never came up. Yeah. God, I hope Alfred Wren is, is involved somehow. <laughs> God, I hope he is. <laughs> Um, but be that as it may, um, uh, <laughs> moving you, on, <laughs> uh, anyway. you know, you know, who, who does have a lot of money, large private equity firms, yes. and they use that money to, to buy lawyers <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. but, and see, and you know, the, some of the things I've read about this online have been people lamenting the fact that, oh, this terrible giant, technology company owned by a PE firm is bullying this small entrepreneurial plucky startup and just like, wah. Baloney. Baloney. <laughs> and it's because it's just like at the end of the day, you have to defend yeah. your brand. Yeah. You know, you can't, if you, if you allow these things to, to slip away, then you lose the ability to go back and enforce at a later date. Yeah. And so, you know, they, uh, I think that, in structure and Toma did exactly what they should have in yeah. this instance, which is let's protect our brand. Cause we, part of what Toma bought when they bought canvas was the brand equity that came along with it. Hey, and look, let's not forget about, you know, the potential optics of this situation. Uh, so first of all, I completely come down on the instructor side. Uh, I, you know, would have done the same thing. Um, no question, but uh, you know, the stuff that you're reading online and everything, you combine that with the fact that this is a diversity recruiting solution, right? Mm -hmm. And that could have been, you know, really compounded into like a PR nightmare of not only is this a big, you know, uh, BMF private equity owned uh, company, but they're also picking on a plucky startup, but it's also a plucky startup that is, you know, a diversity recruiting platform. I mean, that could have mm -hmm. been a, a real mess and, and it might still be, um, but that doesn't, I mean, none of those things that I just said, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, creates any kind of context for justifying the enormity of just the lack of professionalism. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, so, so, you know, you get to that at the, at the end of all of this, what do you do about it? If you're canvas, 
I think you f- you fall back on the there's no such thing as bad publicity department. I think that yeah. you use this as an opportunity while you actually have people's eyes on you to find a innovative and gracious way to execute another rebrand and slowly back out of this situation, but do it with some a plum that actually helps you improve your brand position coming yeah. out of this. I mean, I, I think it's a good legal strategy too. You just say, oops. <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of come out and publicly say, oops, my bad. Messed up. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. We're going back to jumpstart. <laughs> they should go back to jumpstart. I mean, if anyone from, uh, no, well, I'm an agency guy. I want to sell them a new name. Well, <laughs> said, uh, every agency that lasts for five years. Yes. Were those crickets? Oh, wait, it gets better. I got all kinds of stuff. You've been holding out on me. You've had all of this technology at your fingertips. What magic is this, Brett Starr? I I wanted to introduce them slowly, but I'm too excited about them. That's my... (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) What were we talking about? (laughs) I don't even remember. I'm just too excited about the sound effects. Well, I've got room for... uh... Uh, 16 simultaneously wow. just so okay. you know so if there's anything special that you want okay i'll i'll take that under advice put it on the list yeah so uh i think uh in in short and in closing uh i think they probably ought to just go back to their old brand name and uh basically you know you could make this a really funny moment and mm-hmm. a lot of times humor can diffuse uh yep. you know pr problems it can uh, diffuse legal problems you know? yeah um, and instead of digging in and trying to fight, uh, cause they are appealing it. Um, yeah. and I think that's just, yeah. I mean, to me, this is like, you know, kind of the, 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 uh, logical chain that shows me they knew and they just dug in their heels because if they're appealing it, then, uh, they've made this decision multiple times that they're sticking with it no matter what, you know, come hell mm-hmm. or high water, as we say in Texas. And uh, I just, you know, they're not going to win. And we've only had, you know, probably 100 conversations about naming and uh, legal implications. I do think we should give a shout out to the person uh, who uh, wrote this article, uh, the one that you sent around, um, which is a fellow named Ak Sharma on bleepingcomputer.com, bleepingcomputer.com. And we'll drop the article uh, into the description uh, to make sure that folks can read it. It's a very well-written and, and well-researched uh, article. Yeah. I disagree with a couple of points, but that's what good, you know, writing does. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, make, it makes a case that, you know, people choose to agree or disagree with. And I think Axe did a great job in this. Yeah, I thought it was very a very a very thoughtful uh, exploration. Yeah. Well, uh, I also, uh, you know, just want to wrap up by, you know, kind of hitting the, the high points here. Um if you are considering a rebrand, you know, you really need to start with strategy. And so, um, you know, ask yourself what the compelling reason for the rebrand is because there's a lot of friction created by rebrands and a lot of unintended consequences and a lot of unexpected costs and stuff like that. So there should be a really compelling reason uh, driving a rebrand, number one. Number two is do your research. You yeah. know, start with strategy, you move to research. Um, and, you know, typically um, you ask yourself, uh, you know, people who do this for a living ask, what is this name trying to achieve? What are the goals of this? And that's defined by the strategy, right? And uh, your research will, uh, you know, basically take a, you know, when we rename a company, we usually have, we start with 
I mean, a hundred, 200, you know, yeah. uh, options and eventually get it down to maybe five or something like that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, eventually the client will choose one. But by the time we get to five, they have all been extensively researched and they all have pros and they all have cons. You know, sometimes you can get the domain, sometimes you can't. Meaning, and specifically, sometimes you can get the dot com, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to get an alternative, you know, et cetera. Um, it's really hard to find, you know, uh, you know, a name with no digital exhaust whatsoever. So there's just always trade offs, right? So the right. second thing is doing the research and then, and then you create, you know, you make the decision, the name, the brand based on the strategy and the research that you've done. That's when you actually make the decision and you develop all of it. And then you validate it. So even after you've done all that work, before you go out to market, you put it in front of employees, you put it in front of clients or customers, you put it in front of industry insiders. And by going through a validation stage, someone might raise their hand and say, oh, have you heard of this other canvas over here? You know, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> you activate it. And finally, you measure it to see if it actually is uh, driving what your strategy is. So there's like six steps that you go through and multiple sub-steps. And to end up in the situation that, um, you know, Jumpstart uh, is in right now um, basically means that the most, basically all the steps were skipped and somebody just said, we want this to be the name. And yeah, we think there might be somebody else out there with it, but we're just going to move forward anyway. Go straight to execution and let it fly. And that is not how you do a rebrand. And I'm, you know, actually, I'm very sorry that this happened. Um, I know I sound like a jerk right now. Um, I'm really Um, sorry that this happened to jumpstart. Um, but come on. I mean, come on. Well, it's just like, it's a branding own goal. You know, it's just like, it's something that could have easily been avoided. What do you mean by that? A branding own goal? Well, okay. Have you ever, are you familiar with this sport called non-American football? You mean the football? (laughs) I mean, what we Americans would call soccer. Oh, like the Ted Lasso version? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes, yes. So an own goal mm. is when you, kick it, in your own net. you yeah. kick it in your own net. Gotcha. So. I have to admit, man, I don't like soccer. Oh, you're breaking my heart, man. No, it's not It's a beautiful it's a, game. It is a beautiful game. And, you know, when the Olympics uh, come around, I'll, I'll watch and, and root for Team USA, all that stuff. But my kids uh, play a bunch of different sports. And uh, Bonnie's really excelling at uh, basketball. And uh, she's uh, very tall. I mean, I think she, uh, what is she? I think she's five foot four at 10 years old. Wow. And so that's pretty tall. Yeah. Um, and uh, so she uh, plays center, you know, <laughs> and she just dominates. She's awesome. Um, but uh, she also plays soccer. And, oh, man, soccer is, there's so much drama in soccer compared to, like, basketball. That uh, you know, and I was I'm, I was a college goalkeeper. <laughs> were you? Were you though? Was I? You were, but was I? <laughs> I seem to recall you when you played games. You would smoke cigarettes in goal. Well, that's why I got does that really off. make you a college athlete? Hey, we shut out UT. I was unscored on in my college career. Well, and that was a uh, that was an NCAA Division One. Um, match. Yeah. No, we were, it was, like it, was those, it was a club. We were one of those warm up games. Okay. You know, you know okay. how like the big schools like UT put like, you know, teams like Southwestern university in Georgetown, Texas. 
<laughs> on their schedule early in the season. We won. And Dan McCarron was a uh, midfielder. Uh, really? Match, and he has video to prove everything that I'm saying. Okay. I was a great goalkeeper, but uh, like most well, What was the story, though, about when you were smoking a cigarette in goal? And how did that end up? Well, I got kicked off the team. Um, we were playing Trinity and um, in San Antonio. And, uh, you know, they were kind of our rivals or whatever. And I was trying to be funny because uh, we were dominating them so uh, significantly that they never got on my side. So I was trying to demonstrate that I was bored by lighting up a, a camel wide cigarette, a camel wide. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I lit up a camel wide and I leaned back against the pole and I took two puffs and my coach called me out and I was gone, man. That was the end of my college career. <laughs> uh, you, had a, you had a real you coach then. have done a lot to embarrass me, but this is beyond the pale. <laughs> like, I tend to agree with you, sir. <laughs> please, please take me off this team. <laughs> Oh, oh wait! Look, I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All, All right. right. Soccer All right. is a beautiful game, though. Soccer is, and I'm sorry for all the things I said bad about soccer. Um, I just uh, I can't remember why we were talking about. Oh, own goal, own goal. Oh, own yeah, goal. they screwed themselves. I think is yeah. basically what that. But. I, I, I back to your original point. I, I I find no joy in anybody who is getting sued over naming, branding, any of those things. Because uh, yeah, it's well, here, it's no fun. Here's the headline: Hire a professional. Yeah, like seriously, hire a professional. And when I say a professional, I don't mean two guys in a bong. Which I love the two guys in a bong model. In fact, what a lot of people probably don't know about the Star Conspiracy is that it's kind of based on recapturing, you know, the magic of two guys in a bong. Can you explain to the, maybe the people who don't know what two guys in a bong is, because we've used it quite a bit in this conversation. So, okay. So here's the, the two guys in a bong model. It's peak creativity. Uh, and it's basically a moment in, uh, you know, the development of an agency or, you know, uh, and, and credit where credit is due. We were taught this phrase by Jack skills and Jack skills, <laughs> teaches agencies how to be agile. Uh, his company's called Agency Agile. He's Great guy. A, he's a genius. Yeah, he's he a is. genius. And he has had such a tremendous uh, positive impact, not just on us, but on hundreds of agencies uh, around the world. Uh, really smart guy. Yeah. But basically, when you start an agency, it's generally two guys in a bong. And I'll use that in a gender-neutral way if that's possible. It's two folks in a bong. And there's no uh, overhead, administrative, you know, management burden, systems burden. It's just two people at maximum creativity uh, cranking out work for clients. And then as you move, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, when Jack first said that, having kind of been around agencies for a while, I immediately thought of like five agencies that I knew from just being around kind of the Dallas-Fort Worth area or being in that that environment where – what it is is this: you have two really bright creatives who are working in an agency 100 hours a week, getting ground into nothing, who've done some really great work. Who are like, "Fuck this shit! I'm tired of it. Let's go out on our own." They take one good client with them. They have they have a source of making some money. Is that and Joe Biden? is Joe Biden no, calling you? No, it was not Joe Biden. Okay. Um, and what ends up happening is uh, they realize they actually need more clients. So they need to actually go out and sell stuff. 
But it basically is just like exactly like that. It's two guys. They have Ikea desks looking at mm -hmm. each other. There will be a bong somewhere in the room because yes. that's how they get creative. That's right. There you go. No sweat. Anyway. But then you grow a little bit and suddenly, you know, there's this administrative layer that's implemented and you feel like the creativity goes down. Or you um, need to actually go out and sell some stuff. You realize I hate selling is yes. often what that is. Yeah, that's right. And uh, but <clears throat> there's a lot of good. So I think we're kind of like we're we're, we're on different nuances here. Yeah, I see it as an inherently positive thing, um, but it is limiting. Right. Like yeah. I, to me, it, it, you know, it is a moment of peak creativity and efficiency in creativity. It's like there's no layers, you know, um, you know, kind of uh, interfering with the how creative someone can be. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you get into a larger organization, it can be more complex. And then when you get to our size, um, you know, you start working on how you recreate the magic of two guys in a bong right. at scale. Right. right. And so, you know, we've been working on that. That's probably our life's work. You know, yeah. Honestly, I think we'll probably be better known for, you know, our innovations to professional services work systems uh, than the work that we do in market. I really believe that. I really believe that. Um, but, uh, oh, shit. What were we trying to say? We were talking about the origin story of two guys in a bong. Oh, yeah. So that's two guys in a bong. So my point is. When I say work with professionals, two guys in a bong are not professionals um, because there are, uh, when it comes to something as significant as, you know, naming, branding, et cetera, there are things that two guys in a bong haven't figured out yet right. because they haven't been sued enough yet. Right. And so if you're going to, you know, rebrand and you are a going concern of significance, make sure you work with professionals, make sure those professionals have been in business, you know, for at least five yeah. to 10 years minimum yeah. <laughs> right? and uh, ask them to walk you through their process. This is the best interview question uh, that we have, by the way, um, uh, in, in our hiring experience, uh, we ask, uh, uh, take something that uh, most people would think is incredibly complex and explain it to us. And, you know, we get all these amazing like video interview answers and everything. And then we follow it up with tell us about the project that you're most proud of and walk us through step by step how you did it. And I would ask both of those questions <laughs> to someone that I was uh, interviewing for, um, you know, a rebrand or a rename or something like that, um, because if they're not talking about things that fall under strategy, research, creation, validation, activation, um, measurement, if they're, that they don't have a comprehensive, uh, you know, picture, if they're not talking about where the handshake exists between the agency and the company and the lawyers and yeah. how they're not lawyers, then they've never done it before. And you don't want to be their guinea pig because you can end up like jumpstart. Well, and, and like the, with the two guys in a bong model, um, you can get fantastic creative, but a lot of times it is great creative for the sake of great creative. And it's not great creative for the sake of, telling your story and um, achieving marketing efficiency and scalability for your brand. So uh, uh, it's sort of the difference I look at it between, say, the Addy Awards and the um, uh, IABC Awards. So Addy's, you know, just like the, the you know, the, the advertising awards. Whenever you enter one of those, it's all about pretty creative. They care nothing about the story behind it. You know, IABC, International Association of Business Communicators, you submit for an award there. You need an entire case study and you need to walk through the process and you need to be able to demonstrate the impact. So it's just like having a, won awards from both of those entities, which I have, it's just like, you know, hey, great, I've got some Addy Awards. That's cool. But it's just sort of like, 
wow, this, their process is whisper thin opposed to something else. And it's just like, it's, that's where the, one of the key failure points is you can get great creative, but it may not necessarily be in service of your business. Yeah. Did you say you'd won uh, awards from both? I did that. It was a, did you, did, was that a nice little humble brag there? Or did I just kind of like slide that in there? I got one of those. For you. No, seriously though, congratulations. But it's been a while. It is. This is one of the reasons why we don't submit for awards. Yeah, we never talk about this. But the Star Conspiracy does not submit for awards. Why? It adds no value to the client. It adds no value to the client. But it is a tremendous amount of work. Now I could be compelled by the argument that it adds to the employee experience, and if folks feel like that's an important part of their experience uh, is being recognized for their work outside of, you know, the client's acceptance of it or whatever. And, you know, uh, they wanted to apply for uh, awards. I would totally be open to that, but I just don't, uh, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, I think people, when they come to the star conspiracy uh, over time, they uh, come to realize that we're serious about never, you never having another job, you know, yeah. it's like, let's work together forever, <laughs> you know? And then they like that stuff becomes less important because it's, it's a career management thing. Well, and I think that that, you know, so we do apply for awards, um, but we kind of got out of the, the advertising awards game a long time ago because it was just reindeer games. We were like, you know, this is not doing anything to um, uh, help our clients. So let's just let's just cut this shit out. But the awards that we do focus on are, you know, best place to work or, you know, best companies, things like that, which are different because yeah, they're, they're clouded with, with data. You know, you have an employee survey, you know, and I know that there are the cynics out there who, um, believe that those things, you know, are gamed, can be gamed. And I admit they can be, but the award that I'm most proud of that we won was when we won a best places to work award through the, uh, Dallas business journal in 2020. So worst year for business, since, you know, 1929, maybe. And um, we had, we got such great comments out of that employee survey. And we learned yeah. so much about the magic of the agency that, that I'm, I'm really proud of that award. So am I. What a strange event. Yeah. It yeah. was at the Texas Motor Speedway. Because this was like early in the pandemic, right? Yeah. It was at Texas Motor Speedway. And they turned it into a drive-in theater. So no one left their cars. And they showed Talladega Nights. <laughs> that would be that would be the best award ceremony I've ever been to. Yeah, and Dan and I just sat in the car. I took my car and I like lowered the tailgate. We sat on the back and drank beer and watched Talladega Nights. And then at some point they put up a slide presentation that you know listed the companies who won best places to work. And I think it was also the first year that we were not in the small company category; that we were in the uh, mid-sized company category. And in other news. Uh, which we don't uh, have time to talk about, but congratulations to uh, Quantum Workplace, who runs, uh, they run that one, but they run a lot of the best places uh, to work uh, competitions, and they just got a significant amount of funding from a private equity group. So uh, they will continue the good fight. Way to go, Greg. Good yep. job. Great job, Greg. Oh, I'm probably never going to use those things again. Just oh, no, I love them. Keep it up. I don't know. They seem kind of cheesy to me. They right, are man. cheesy, well, but that's why we need to keep using them. <laughs> we got to keep the low production value that we have we have fought so hard to maintain. Well, it turns alive. out that this low production value is incredibly expensive. <laughs> I'm speaking, I'm speaking at Insperity's uh, um, 
uh, sales uh, conference um, in a couple of weeks. No, it's next week. I think it's next week. And, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to decide uh, whether they're going to do it live or uh, in person or whether they're going to do it uh, virtual or whatever. And uh, I was talking to Michael um, uh, Leip. It's just an excellent. I love Insperity. I love Michael Leip. We've been a customer of Insperity's for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm speaking uh, to um, because we doubled in size in uh, last year. And uh, they want the voice of the customer at the sales conference. That's why I'm there. And uh, so I'll be speaking. And uh, he said, well, I guess if it goes virtual, you'll, uh, you know, be a, it looks like you've got a pretty good setup. And I said, yeah, like, you know, $100,000 later, yeah, I think I could do virtual. <laughs> yeah, this is the podcast equivalent of like a dad band, you know, where it's just like, you know, I've got a $5,000 Les Paul and, you know, a Marshall stack behind me. And, uh, well, actually, you do have a Marshall stack behind you. And, you know, I'm, I'm barely able to pick out smoke on the water, you know. <laughs> I can't use any of this shit. Thank yeah. God for Dana. <laughs> you know. Dana, who's not, um, you, you can't see her because she turns off her video. She's the producer. Uh, she's actually the one that knows how to take all this stuff and make stuff happen. So thank God uh, for Dana. Thank yeah. you, Dana. Thank you, Dana. I appreciate it. All right, man. Well, any uh, any final words? It, uh, you know, we uh, got some uh, good advice about how to get you shot out of a cannon uh, after you die. Yeah, um, the team really gravitated toward that. They really um, did. Uh, so when I say any final words, you know, um, any final words <laughs> No, shoot you out of a cannon. No, I was just <laughs> impressed that the team actually went about sourcing finding a cannon, which, yeah. you know, I admire the initiative that they exhibited, but I'm also a little disturbed that they felt that it needed to be handled fairly urgently. Cause... No, I just think it's really exciting. That's It's just a show of love. It's like you want it so bad. And everyone wants to make it happen for you so much. And everyone wants to be part of an amazing story. And that would be a pretty amazing story. Oh, yeah, Steve Smith, we shot him out of a cannon when he died. Yeah, that'd be great. Too bad I won't be around to enjoy that one. Well, that's why we should do a trial run. <laughs> what, stick me in an actual cannon? No. You're yeah, insane. <laughs> yes, right. you are. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.